One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Are you sick and tired of dieting? Diet, give up, repeat. Diet, cheat, give up, repeat. Maybe you should try something new called intuitive eating, which goes against diet culture. And you eat according to your body's needs. Intuitive Eating Ireland, uh, Sinead Crow. I've been speaking to Sinead about this whole concept of what is intuitive eating. Sinead, intuitive eating is a new term on me. I know it is gaining in in popularity. It's very much an anti-diet culture form of eating, as it were. What is it? Well, in a nutshell, intuitive eating has been around really for many decades, actually, but I suppose it is coming more um, to Ireland. More people are becoming aware of it and more people are talking about it, which is fantastic. But it was developed really by two dietitians in the 90s, and they put together this like self-care mind-body framework really to help people to you know, unplug from all of the diet culture messaging that you mentioned, all of the outside noise, and relearn how to uh, listen to their bodies and respond to their own individual needs. Something that we're born with, but we unfortunately lose along the way. And these dietitians put it together because simply they were seeing, like for a long time, clients coming in that they were seeing for weight loss, and that they were seeing the same clients coming back in the following year, having gained back all the weight that they had lost, plus more Mm. and facing the same dilemma of, well, how do I lose this weight? So they eventually looked into the research around dieting and I suppose how sustainable it is long term and obviously the negative implications it has, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, financially um, on us. And they put this 10 principle framework together, what we call intuitive eating. It sounds like eat according to your instincts, but it's surely more than that. Well, it draws on instinct, but also rational thought and emotions. So it kind of really mainly draws on those those three components, really. And, um, you know, it's not... Sometimes people, when they hear intuitive eating, or there's kind of a lot of misconceptions about intuitive eating, it's just like eat whatever you want, whenever you want, you know, or, or they think that it's like the hunger-fullness diet, like just eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. Yeah. But, I mean, it's quite complex. Like there's, a, there's a full framework involved, and obviously we wouldn't be able to describe it in, in, in 
major detail, but certainly we can go through what the bones of the, the principles are for sure. I mean, the first principle really to get started, how do we, you know, the first principle is reject the diet mentality. And that really is looking at accepting that, you know, all of this outside noise of, you know, follow this plan and, you know, eat X calories and go on keto and all these different mm. diets that we see all around us. And really it's saying, you know, do these work long term? And, and the reality of it is, is that how, ma- how many of us can say how many diets we've ever tried? I know for me, I probably, you know, could have tried 20 plus diets over the years. I spent 20 years trying to reach uh, and be in a smaller body. So if we ask ourselves if diet, diets were ever effective, we'd only really ever have to do one. So it's kind of saying to ourselves, okay, is it really working for us? Or how are we feeling anytime we go on a diet? You know, there's an initial high, you lose weight initially. Like, I mean, anybody can kind of lose weight short term in, you know, on a a diet, any Mm. diet really that's putting you into a calorie deficit will will result in short term weight loss. But like long term, what does that look like? And most of us, like, you know, a huge percentage of us will regain the weight plus more. And then we're starting all over. Plus we have the additional feeling of just feeling like it's a failure you know that Mm. we failed and also feeling like you know we don't want people to see us so we become like often kind of quite socially withdrawn we want to isolate because we're quite ashamed Mm. so the first principle of intuitive eating is just rejecting the diet mentality and that doesn't mean that you have to you know never want to lose weight or that you you have to forget about this idea of wanting to lose weight Mm. it just means that you would put it on the on the back burner that you would put that on the top shelf and say okay I'll leave that there for a while I'm going to try and see can I figure out what my body needs and what feels good in my body is it like well if I get it right with my body and I'm at peace with what I'm eating and my body's more importantly at peace with what I'm eating the weight loss might come anyway well, I mean, the truth of it is, is that like three things can happen with your weight with, when you start an intuitive eating journey. You can either stay the same weight, you might gain weight, or you might lose weight. And, you know, nobody can tell you uh, what might happen with your body. It's dependent on many, many factors. And the the, the, and the most important point is that it, n- neither of them, I suppose, results, if you want to say, are right or wrong. Because some of us are under our set point weight. And in order to recover and be free and feel good and be in a good place mentally and emotionally, um, and have good body image, it means we need to be at a higher weight. And for some people, they may uh, lose weight because, you know, when we engage in health promoting behaviors, like when we find movement that we enjoy, when we eat foods that feel good in our bodies, when we find other ways to cope with our em- emotions, that we're not always using food to self-soothe. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, self-soothing with, with food. Mm. But when it's the only tool in your toolbox, you'll probably run into some bother at some point. So, you know, then you, you, you very well may... Um, lose weight but that that can't be the goal Mm, mm. it may be a consequence but not a goal yes it certainly may yeah the food police oh you shouldn't be having that now that put away that ice cream step away from the fridge we need to reject that yeah, well, that's principle number four, challenge the food police. Um, and that's, of course, that's really key, but it's not even just like people around us. It's it's often the voice in our heads. That's kind of what I meant. Yeah, like, I mean, the, the truth of it is that most of us are actually harsher on ourselves than even the people around us. And that's not to say, of course, we could have family members or friends or, you know, colleagues that make remarks about what we're eating or, or even, unfortunately, our body, because that's still something that happens in society. Um, but it's really, if we can kind of, if we 
can soften and quieten that the food police uh, are in our own minds. Um, we can actually, like when we don't have guilt and shame attached to food, we can actually be- find a, a neutral place and say, well, what do I really want? Hmm. And like, that's something most of us don't even actually ask ourselves. We, we always say like, what should we have? But what do you really want? Yeah. You know, and that's really, really key, which ties into the next principle, which is discovering the satisfaction factor. Yeah. And the truth of it is, is that if we're eating foods that are really enjoyable, most of us tend to end up picking all day long or we end up kind of, you know, feeling ravenous in the evening. And, and often the time it's because we're so unsatisfied because we forced ourselves to have a low carb lunch Right. or no, no carbs for breakfast. And sure, by the time the evening comes, you can't keep your head out of the press because you're still searching for something that makes you feel satisfied. And oh, So that, that kind of explains, I'm always saying this, like I'm very careful by day, but by mm-hmm. night, I'm a raging lunatic and I will stick my head into the cupboard and I won't take it out till I'm finished. Well, the thing is, is you're not a raging lunatic. It just, <laughs> that's not what the problem is. The problem is, is you're probably restricting to some degree throughout the day and not giving yourself unconditional permission to have something that truly satisfies you. And if you allow yourself to have the carbs with your soup or whatever it might be, when you feel truly satisfied, it's interesting what happens. Your mind gets to free up for other things for a while instead of thinking, oh, maybe now at three o'clock I might have, you know, a bit of chocolate with a cup of tea because you're yeah. still searching for that sense of being satisfied it's fascinating yeah there's a kind of a conversation as well that takes place at our dinner table or particularly when we're out for something to eat and we'll order a dessert and we look at one another and go buns pure buns give us a spoon you have to be able to do that don't you well, self-punishment, you know, it, it, like how effective is that? It's just simply not. It keeps you in a vicious cycle of self-hatred and self-loathing. And, you know, the reality of it is, is like food is not, it's not a moral issue. Food is not good or bad. And, and it's, again, it's quite fascinating what happens when we make food all like morally equal. Like, yes, food is not all nutritionally equal. Like, obviously, um, you know, there's there's various nutrients in different foods. I'm not suggesting all foods across yeah. the board are the same of same nutrient content, but they're morally equal. And it's fascinating what happens when we when we find that place of saying, yeah, like, it's not a big deal. Sometimes you won't even want the dessert. Sometimes we only want the dessert in that moment when we're out because we say to ourselves, well, we can't have it again now because we won't be out with our family again for the three weeks. A, a plate of healthy vegetables and a plate of ice cream put them in front of us and our minds will make a choice our hearts will make one choice our minds will make another which should we follow well, the reason why we, the reason why in that moment we'll probably have a craving or a desire for the ice cream is because we've put that on a pedestal, and we've thought we've it, we, it's somehow forbidden, yeah. And we've kind of rules around the ice cream that it's a bit bad and we shouldn't really be having it. Whereas we do, do we, we don't have the same thing around vegetables because we assume that they're good and we don't yeah. think that they, we don't associate them as being something that we shouldn't have. But again, it's trying to find how do we bring the ice cream off the pedestal and bring it down, you know, where it's along with the vegetables. And actually, um, intuitive eaters, and this has been proven in the research, they will opt for the vegetables as often as they would opt for the ice cream. Because it's, you know, some days you'll want the ice cream, but some days you'll want the vegetables. A place for everything and everything in its place. (laughs) There's a principle about feeling your fullness. Now, what's that? 
Well, of course, like, you know, the, the one of the principles that I didn't mention there is number two, which is honor, honor your hunger. And of course, hunger and fullness is an important part of learning to tap into, you know, do you notice when you're hungry? Do you eat before you hit that kind of ravenous space? Because it's very difficult to, um, it's the reason why this ties into your fullness is that, you know, we've got to be able to know when we're hungry to eat at a time that we're just kind of, you know, slightly hungry. Because if we wait until you're like you're nearly weak or your head feels a bit dizzy or yeah. there's a really empty sensation in your belly, you have this like innate drive just to get as much food into you as possible. Yep. So you likely eat more food in that moment because you're not or in that ex- eating experience because you're not you're not settled. Your system is like, oh, I'm starving. I need food right now. Guilty as charged, Your Honor. <laughs> I, I, I will hold off for the entire afternoon and then eat table and all at the Chinese restaurant. Well, then maybe it's about maybe it's about putting in a, a small, small snack or a big snack before you go for that Chinese and you might find the experience is a bit different. Yeah. You know, having something before you go, if you reach a point where you're absolutely ravenous, you will fi- you barely will taste that food. And actually, is it really enjoyable when you eat in that really fast paced no. kind of mindless space? No, it's not enjoyable. I've been there, done that for years. It's not enjoyable. Yeah. And it's yeah. not satisfying. And this is why that ties in then to feeling your fullness where, you know, it, it's not it's not pleasant. It's not satisfying to eat the point where you ne- nearly need to lie down. That's not a satisfying eating experience. Uh, what is satisfying is to get to the point where you have that nice, full, warm, cozy sensation in your belly where you're like, ah, oh, I'm full. You're not over full. You don't yeah. need to lie down. You don't feel sleepy. Um, that's actually really satisfying to get to that point. But to be honest, it takes a really long time to get to that point because yeah. usually we've got so many rules in our head and we're like oh well you know I better finish that now because when am I going to get that again so you end up eating it anyways even if you actually are already full so that's why all of these principles tie in together it's not like you start off a principle number one and you work your way to ten you're trying to you're, you're, you're weaving in and out of all of the principles as you move through the mm. process respect the body that you have mm-hmm you might think it's a bit too big or a bit too small or a bit too lumpy and bumpy, but it's what you got and love it. Exactly. Our body is our container. And, you know, we talked about that actually with Hayes somewhat on the weekend. And that was the one thing that stood out to, you know, stood out to, the, to many of the, of the audiences going, yes, our body is our container. It's going to carry us through this life. And, you know, spending our lifetime trying to make it smaller, make it look different, etc. It's just, you know, how do we find a place where we don't have to, you don't have to love your body. You don't have to look in the mirror and think, wow, I absolutely love what I see. But can you find a place where you respect it, where you appreciate what it does for you not about what it looks like but what it actually allows you to do day in day out and when you can find that kind of place of gratitude and all of the rest of it that appreciation you know you kind of come away from beating yourself up as much as maybe diet culture tells you to do Mm. and that that principle is really key so if you're eating properly eating in a balanced way taking a little bit of exercise but be happy with what you got you're doing everything right and that is what it is. 
Absolutely. And like bodies come in all shapes and sizes and are all deserving of respect. And, you know, like the reality of it is, is that, you know, if we fight again like that, I just feel like if you ask yourself the question, like how much of your mental space every day is taken up by your body size or a desire to change it or that kind of critical body thoughts. Unfortunately, a lot of people, that percentage would be quite high. I know for me, it was probably up in 80 percent when I was moving moving through the dieting years and like that's a long time we have to ask ourselves how much are we missing out on yeah i read somewhere one time that your body actually knows itself when it's settled and yeah you need to recognize that point and live with it yeah, well, I mean, look, at even come back to genetics. I mean, like, we don't spend a lifetime trying to say, I wish my shoe size were smaller. I wish I was a bit taller, a smaller. I mean, like, there's a huge genetic component to our weight. Up to 70% um, is shown in the research. So, you know, when do we find that place where we say, you know, we, we don't have control over our... Our, our our genes, our DNA. So, you know, to spend a lifetime trying to change something that's predominantly genetic is, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what's the, how's that going to serve us? Yeah. Sinead, it's fascinating. It's an interesting area. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. That's Sinead Crow of Intuitive Eating Ireland. You'll find them on Instagram with uh, lots of different posts and wisdom and advice for you. If you need help with your eating or any element of your eating or a loved one's bodywise.ie b-o-d-y-w-h-y-s dot i-e they have a helpline also in the evenings Monday, Wednesday and Sunday from 7.30 to 9.30 and Saturday daytime and they have a Dublin number 01210 that's 01210 if you need help or just simply Ask your GP. Courts 96 FM.